Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 189, brought to you by the Five Poket SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best dog co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben. How you doing, brother? Everything is delicious. I think everything is scary and sad. <laughs> everything is delicious. Um, and no, it, it's good to be back on the mic. Wow, puns. <laughs> Especially because my our last two pods, we had the one with Ross, and then I had the one with BLG. So it's been a hot second since it was just me and you. It has been a hot second. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. We're gonna bring some violence and some speed into this thing. We're gonna hit it hard. We're gonna have a good show. I'm excited, Ben. It's been a while since it's been me and you, so let's let's dig into this thing. First off, I just want to say for the gentle listeners, me and Ben played Warzone last night, and by my count, uh, 24 kills to 15, uh, I had the 24 kills, of course. I'm not going to keep playing with you if you just try to make me feel bad every single time. Did you? Were you keeping track every game? I absolutely was. I'm a competitor. <laughs> fun are you scared to compete because it sounds like you're scared to compete because i what i heard from the locked on nfl draft podcast when i had mentioned in the the questions i just made a statement uh that that ben you choked in the final circle you put it on me like you oh i'd carry the team and i had team yeah i absolutely would put it on you when you're not on the podcast and if there were a game with (laughs) trevor where i had choked in a game with trevor i would be disparaging trevor right now that's the power of this crystalline audio in which other people may not participate that i can lie and nobody can do anything about it we both had 3k damage in that game we were both carried like we carried owen all the way to the finish line i just listen i down and then I go out. I, I look for work. I'm like an offensive lineman. Got one down. I'm gonna go find another one for a pancake. I'm not making sure I thirst my kills for a pointless stat comparison during a podcast. By the way, the the thirst was because he was self-resing, and I needed to sacrifice Michael, sacrifice myself I don't even for the remember. team. I'm not Patrick- even, I wasn't even alluding to a specific event. I was just trying to find a leg to stand on. <laughs> this is the seventh time we have relitigated uh, this this specific instance, but we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the show. You know, we need to start streaming this on BGN Radio. By the way because we have that Twitch account. We should start streaming some more zones so that people can see and judge for themselves why I'm so much better than you. So let's dig into this Eagles defense. We'll dial in on uh, Darius Slay, but some general things first. A, a big thing for this unit just overall, man. I was looking at this today. Per Football Outsiders, their adjusted games loss metric has their defense as the 31st and 29th healthiest, you might as well call them unhealthy, uh, healthiest team in the league over the last two years, respectively. If that just right there can change and even just be decent, just be decently healthy, that's going to be big because there's been a serious lack of stability on that unit, especially with the cornerbacks, and it has really hurt their ability to take the ball away. I mean, in interceptions last two year, 23rd, when they had 11 interceptions last year, year before that, 10 interceptions, it was 25th in the league. So they need to generate some turnovers. Cornerback health would go a long way in solving that, and of course, Speaking of cornerbacks, look, for as much unknown there is with how this defensive backfield will look together and perform together as a whole, and those questions are warranted, Jalen Mills switching positions, the CB2 situation, and so on, the addition of Darius Slay cannot be overlooked. And one thing that we talked about before, we'll talk about this again, 
is the ability to put a guy on wide receiver one and have Slay travel with him. Swartz hasn't had a guy like that that he could do that with in Philly for a couple reasons. Number one, the difference between CB1 and CB2 has been pretty negligible. And part of that is because CB1 and CB2 were rarely ever healthy at the same time. But mm-hmm. we got a fresh slate and a big opportunity with Slay now. And, and Schwartz has said that he is open to the idea of having Slay travel while mentioning that there's right. a ripple effect to the rest of the defense by doing that, which we'll talk about. But in, in a quote unquote down year for Slay last year, the numbers when Slay traveled with people, and I'll pull up the stats right here. We'll just go go through it quickly. Week two, they had him travel with Keenan Allen. That was a battle. And I remember watching that live, and then I watched the film of it again. Keenan Allen was targeted 11 times, six receptions, 81 yards. Slay had the seal the deal interception at the end of that game. So mm-hmm. Allen got him a few times, and Allen's a, an elite route runner. So uh, there was a, there was a really good battle there. Week six, they had him travel with Marquise Valdez-Scantling from the Packers because I believe uh, Devontae Adams was hurt. He shut MVS out. Week nine, he shuts Zay Jones of the Buffalo Bills out. Like, no big deal for either of those, but still, that's what you want to see. Week 11, Amari Cooper, a guy he's going to go up against twice this year at least. Six targets, three receptions, 38 yards. Gave him fits on the film. Week 12, Terry McLaurin from Washington targeted 10 times. Only three receptions, 42 yards. There's some extra context there because McLaurin got him a couple times where there was some yeah, misthrows. Darius Slay will be the first guy to tell he you will. McLaurin done him up a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, he he did him up a little bit. And he even said, I was surprised by his speed at first. So maybe that'll change the yeah, next so time around. So was Rasul Douglas, my dude. <laughs> so was Rasul. Week 13, Allen Robinson held him to 441. Then Stephon Diggs, 587. Like, we remember what Diggs did to the Eagles last year. Week 16, Cortland Sutton, 4 and 28 yards. And then week 17, Devontae Adams, who would have had like 500 yards against the Eagles if he didn't hurt his toe in that game, held him to four receptions and 63 yards. So even in a down year, he's taking on these wide receiver ones and he's handling his business. So Ben, I'll I'll ask you, I I think Slay is going to have a big impact on his unit, shadowing or not, but how are you feeling about using Slay as a chess piece in the matchup game? Yeah, so Darius Slay, the the um the bad season in 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 2019, I test Slay was not as productive as he was in 2019 relative to 2018, 2017, so on and so forth. It's worth noting that Darius Slay, I believe, leads the league in passes defensed, passes played on, either broken up or intercepted, since 2013, his rookie year. It might be 2014 when he really entrenched himself as a starter. But basically, Darius Slay has only missed six games over the last six seasons and has had over 13 pass breakups in every single season, including the eight interception, 26 passes defense year in 2017 when he was an all-pro player. He'd been good. In 2019, he was not as productive. He had two interceptions, which is about as low as it gets. He had 13 passes defense, about as low as it gets. His tackle numbers were a little bit down. He allowed more completions than he usually did. It wasn't as good of a year. PFF really knocked him. And PFF knocked a lot of the players on that Detroit coverage team in general which is interesting but pff had him like as like an 80th corner in the league or something like that so darius slay was definitely worse i don't think he was nearly as bad as pff's grades would have him to reflect and that was something that also like a bunch of players talked about that as well like teron matthew had a, a tweet where he was like you know this is 
he's much better than this. And right. I think Joe Hayden had one as well, right? He's had teammates come out and say that, like, yeah, the scheme was a problem and it wasn't really a fit. Like, right. he's had he's had plenty of people defend him. And Darius Slay has made no bones about the fact that he did not want to be playing football, right? right? I am a strong believer in player will play better if he likes playing, yeah. which Darius Slay did not like playing in 2019, right? So all, all of this to say, just to give this background information, to, to put in clear hard writing, Darius Slay did not play as well as he typically has in 2019, and I do not believe that is indicative of a tailing off, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, when Joe Hayden started playing poorly in Cleveland, I was like, this is because Joe Hayden's getting old and bad. And then Joe Hayden went to Pittsburgh and was like, screw you, (laughs) right? So we have to acknowledge here, corner is an extremely volatile position, and man, CB1s with their personality, Darius Slay's got a big personality, they don't like what's going on. I mean, like, you know, it's not hard to explain why Slay was worse. And it's also not hard to predict that Slay would just simply be better in a new environment. Yeah. So we start there. The shadow stats are good. Relative to what Eagles corners did against outside receivers last year, anything <laughs> would be good, let alone quality performance against some pretty good wide receivers. The Amari Cooper game was great yes. by Slay. Fantastic. Eagles... Could use somebody to handle that that guy, especially as they deal with Dallas twice a year with a bigger wide receiver core. Lest we forget that when the Eagles stepped into the playoffs last year, they were 32nd in the league in yards allowed to outside receivers, 29th in explosive receptions, 29th in, t- in touchdowns, and 27th in yards per target. None of that is good. Those are all from, uh, from Shield with The Athletic. Anything is better than what we had. Darius Slay, who is probably better than he was in 2019 and has experience staying on the outside, also moving into the slot and following wide receiver ones, is definitely better. How much better can it be? Because you and I have sat here and we've talked about how Jim Schwartz puts his players on the field previously. Like I said, corner is an extremely volatile position. Like you said with Keenan Allen, you're going to get burned. Yeah, You're going to lose a, 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 a rep, a drive to a player of Keenan Allen's caliber. So we can't sit here and say corner play needs to be perfect for a defense to be successful. If you're looking for that, it's going to take you a very long time to get a good defense. Because most defense in the league will never have that. And even if they do get it, it's very hard to sustain that over time. So... Talent isn't enough. Deployment also has to improve, which is why what Schwartz saying, what he said is such a big deal because we've consistently asked from Jimbo for a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more confusion, a little bit more uh, 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 window dressing, concealing what the intentions are, just not spot dropping into cover three. And Schwartz gave a really long and detailed answer, which instead of just reading Slay might shadow. We should read the whole thing because he said, uh, I'll, I'll read this straight from Philly voice. Yeah. This was, this was Jimmy who had this over the last couple of years. We've taken a lot of strides to try to avoid the tells on our defense, whether it was in man or zone. It really started the week after the super bowl. When we started meeting before the 2018 season, we saw where people were going with man routes and pick routes and things like that and said, okay, we're tired of complaining to the officials. We got picked. So we need to mitigate it ourselves. We need to combat it in different ways. One of the ways we did that is we didn't have corners go over. This is what he's saying here is against a two receiver set, the outside corners on the outside receiver. If those two receiver sets, if those two receivers switch release, that outside corner would not follow the outside receiver. He would not go over the switch. Yeah. Instead, he would stay on the outside and take the, the new guy releasing to the outside. Yeah, by the way, we've seen the Eagles have issues with that from 2018 to 2019 when they've had to switch or had to communicate that as well. Right. Being a new Which, thing. The fact that the Eagles defense over the last two seasons has been trying to solve bunches. <laughs> 
is terrifying. Right. Because they've been bad against bunches. Yeah. Right? And what they've been trying to do is, as I was talking about, I have the first release outside. I have the first release inside. Talking about box calls. Talking about bunch checks. So... As Jimbo would go on to say, it helped us that we had safeties like Malcolm and Rodney, who were both corners in the past. That flexibility went a long way. And so there is that. But when you acquire a player like Slay, who has that skill set, can match a receiver, it adds a different layer to it. So now guys who play nickel are going to need to be able to play the outside corner too. Because every time Slay lines up at the nickel position, it's just too easy to tell if the only time he's there is man-to-man. So there is an implied usage of slay in the nickel extremely big deal yep because this is this He's is your best cover this is your best cover man by a mile and if they're going to be able to hide terry mclaurin in the slot and not have darius slay over him you're gonna bleed so the the implied like you know he goes to like maybe it's 50 maybe 75 percent of the time but he's assuming given the personnel that they've looked to add your nickel guys have to be able to play outside that Darius Slay is going to spend some time in the nickel. It's a very big deal. So the issue they're trying to solve yes. continues to be the issue that they've had since the 2017 season, which was we were playing man. It was too obvious what we were doing. So we're trying to move to more zone stuff to, to be able to, to deal with these pick routes. Now it's still too obvious what we're doing. And if we have Slay and he's always on the outside, they're going to know that it's maybe man or zone. And if he moves to the nickel, it's got to be man because it's got to be man because he's on the inside. And so we have to be able to have guys who can play man and zone on the outside. Everybody's got to know everybody else's responsibility. He goes on to say... It's going to make all of your corners, your safeties, and your nickels have to be a little more multidimensional. If Slay lines up at the nickel, the nickel needs to be able to line up at the outside corner. You need to be able to play man and zone and blitz from that same look. So Slay mirroring is one thing. That's good. If you get a player like Darius Slay and don't ask him to follow the best receiver, you're an idiot. Hmm. But the big win is that there's an acknowledgement that they need to get better with their personnel at hiding what it is they're trying to do. Yep. Because when you know it's cover three, when you know it's cover two, when you know it's man, it doesn't matter what the coverage is. Once you know it pre-snap, offense has a huge advantage. Yep. And so Darius Slay is going to be able to take away wide receiver ones. Darius Slay is going to be able to line up opposite Amari Cooper for four quarters and potentially take him away, which is an unbelievable boon to your defense. But the overarching issue, beyond Ronald Darby's inability to find the football, beyond Jalen Mills' inability to read a double move, beyond Rasul Douglas's slow feet, beyond Sidney Jones' grabbiness, beyond Avanti Maddox's short arms, the overarching issue was that you and I could look at the football field and say they're running this. Yep, 100%. And if they're able to take that away, that matters maybe even more Mm. than any personnel you can add because it's going to make quarterbacks do more work post-snap. And that's going to mean it takes longer time for the quarterbacks in the pocket to decide, more time for your pass rush to arrive. This is the model. Yep. So, great news. But (laughs) it's not just the shadowing. It's everything else that comes with it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and Bed, kind of going back to the point about uh, Slay wanting to be somewhere and that affecting his uh, performance, did you see the quote from Slay about being able to be a man in Philly, because yeah. I, I, when I read it, I immediately took it as a shot to Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia, who we had a very frayed relationship there uh, in Detroit. Going back to, I think, 2018 was their argument during a film session, and Matt Patricia said some pretty uh, crazy things towards his direction, and the relationship deteriorated from there, Slade demanding a trade and, and whatnot. And Ben, one, one more uh, note, if, if we're good on the on the Slade part here, this has just been tweeted out by Miles Sanders. He says, quote, can't catch a break, end quote. What does that mean? Why for the recording? Do it after. What does that mean? Okay. I, I, I'm seeing, I'm refreshing, I'm searching his name. I'm seeing nothing about what this means. It could be big. Uh, my guess, do you think he would tweet this if the Eagles were signing a vet running back? No, hell no. No? No, hell no. Not like that, no. 
where they signed Saquon Barkley? Like, <laughs> come yeah. on. Who could they possibly Somebody, sign uh, that, that, that would threaten him? Right. Well, I mean, he, he wants to be a bell cow. Somebody in the mention said, I see you, Aguilar. Give Miles his phone back. That's oh, funny. Geez. But if Miles is hurt, I mean, they have to bring in a vet. They were looking to bring in a vet anyway. Then you're looking at Boston Scott. And look, the, the training camp fluff pieces about Corey Clement can stop because I need to see it first. And I've seen way too many of right. those. They're, they're, they're hyping this guy up. The guy hasn't done anything since, since the Super Bowl run. And you know, I, I'll appreciate Corey Clement forever. Because he was fantastic in that run, but like that's like a month or two of his life that he's been salvageable. It can't possibly. We're gonna release this show, and yes. then the news is gonna hit. Yes, and we're not gonna have instant thoughts at it. But you know where you're gonna get instant thoughts. You're gonna get it at bleedinggreennation.com, and that is the crutch that I will lean on as we record and try to figure this out. If any news drops while we're recording, we will have it for you right here. But I'm not sitting around waiting on my hands for some Stefan Diggs cryptic tweet for news to drop when it's absolutely just when it's just about like a video game, like he's streaming FIFA right now and and got an old goal or something. Anyway, we're going to be back with more. We're going to keep an eye on this Miles Sanders thing. We're going to talk about some college football coming up next here on the Kiston Solak Show. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 189, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. So we talked about some Darius Slay, some secondary for the uh, for the Eagles. I actually wanted to switch gears because this is a big thing going on in the football world overall right now. And Ben, you do a lot of uh, your work for the draftnetwork.com. Free plug for you and your crew there. Uh, as such, I'm going to lean on your expertise for this next segment. And for starters, where are we right now with the state of college football in terms of is there going to be a season? And if so, who is going to be in that season? Like speaking of conferences and divisions here, and who is going to be left out? Where do we stand as we record right now? Yeah, uh, college football would like to play a season, and, and the the players would like to play a season because they want to play college football. That's why they signed up for it. The programs, the conferences, and the networks would like to play a season because they want it to be fiscally viable. The it, the universities want to make money from football. It's what they're accustomed to. Obviously, everybody's under dire economic strain during the time of the pandemic. So the universities want to play because they make money off of it. They also support the players. They want the players to play. Those things are, are not mutually exclusive. In order for the university to play, conference to play, it has to not only be fiscally viable, but also it has to be short-term and long-term safe for the health of the players and the other members of, of, of the community. 
players' families and of the institution, the college. There's fear, very real fear, that not only could this be dangerous in the short term for players, their families, and for the institution from a health perspective, but also dangerous in the long term. We don't know what happens in five years when you have the when you had the coronavirus. We also don't know what happens in five years when you had the coronavirus and underwent significant respiratory work for days, weeks mm. before you realized that you had it. So there is a big concern regarding liability and regarding player safety. The only way to assuage this concern would be to continue to pour even further and further money into preventative measures and into testing. Not all universities have that money, and the more money that they put into that, the less likely it is that the season, with no players attending game or with no fans attending games, becomes fiscally viable. So this is the, the conflict you're dealing with now at the university level. As such, group of five conferences like the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, and the Mountain West Conference, which is like Colorado, Denver, Utah area, have already postponed the season to the spring. These conferences rely on big game checks from Power 5 schools that will no longer be played. When Ohio State plays Ohio, Ohio State plays Ohio a ton of money for that game because Ohio State knows they're going to win it. Ohio knows they're going to lose it. But that big check from Ohio State to Ohio helps keep Ohio's football program afloat. Right. With conferences already weeks ago deciding to play conference-only schedules, those games were lost. And it made all of the necessary coronavirus testing financially impossible for conferences like the MAC and for the Mountain West. Big 10 in the in the in the MAC area is also looking very likely to delay to the spring uh, for reasons of player safety, the medical reports that they've gotten and the financial reasons I've said before. The Pac-12 very recently just got a big report from medical officers that says that they probably should not continue to play and we expect them to to postpone to the spring as well. Conversely and interestingly, Schools and conferences like the SEC and the Big 12 are getting medical reports that indicate that they could still potentially play, which that disparity is something that that should be investigated. However, the SEC and the Big 12 would like to then obviously continue trying to play football, and SEC programs tend to have enough money, more so than other even other Power 5 schools, to keep the coronavirus testing up that is necessary for safe football. A lot of the players who are very vocal about wanting to play play for schools in these areas as well. ACC... Nobody knows what they're doing. It's very confusing. I read 10,000 different things about them. Please don't ask me. <laughs> the group of five programs near the SEC, like the Sun Belt, are also still trying to play because potentially if the SEC plays, the SEC will play their Sun Belt opponents right. and then give game checks to the Sun Belt. And then they'll, the, the financial model will still churn on. So right now we're looking at, because the NCAA does not have central authority, or at least is abdicating themselves of their central authority in an act of whatever the opposite of leadership is (laughs) right now we're looking at ad hoc conferences trying to decide this for themselves with a increasing amount of financial and political pressure it's terrifying um, because you do not know who is making decisions and for what reasons they're making these decisions it's difficult to imagine we get a full season of college football it's not as difficult to imagine a conference or two tries um, but I would, uh, I don't think it's going to go well, and God forbid that there's there's significant coronavirus issues, and then obviously we'll see things come to a screeching halt. So that's where we are with college football right now. Yeah, basically we don't know, and there's a lot going on, a lot to process, and uh, there's shifting sands going on with that. So we'll focus on what we do know, and that concerns the 2021 NFL draft. There have been some big names already opt out of the 2020 college season, none bigger than Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons 
who is half man, half amazing, half manimal, 109 tackles last year. He had eight games with 10 tackles or more, 14 tackles for a loss in total, five sacks. He was the Big Ten linebacker of the year in a top five prospect on just about every board that you're going to see. The guy is a frightening combination of speed, violence, coverage ability, and instincts. And if you haven't seen him yet, gentle listener, go to YouTube, find his Cotton Bowl performance against Memphis, where he was defensive MVP of the game. Oh, my God, he was crazy. 14 tackles in that game, two sacks in that game. You'll see why everybody is so high on this guy. He is a ball of energy. He's so exciting to watch. Ben, I have one firm 2021 NFL draft take. It's the same take I had back in April. And that's that Micah Parsons needs to be an eagle. But that's a pipe dream because opt out or not, this guy is going early, early, right? Yeah, no, Parsons, the entire Penn State program's got some really good defensive players at all three level. Uh, Micah Parsons is the crowning jewel. Boy, like, thank God he had that Memphis game because, like, if we, if his last game was just like, you know, some like regular bowl game where he just like played a little bit and it was good whenever they won. And then we didn't get to see him play again. It kind of would have really sucked. He really went out with a bang uh, in that Memphis game. And and while it's a shame that we probably won't see him in a Penn State uniform ever again. I mean, he's ridiculously pro ready for a kid who's played two seasons. that didn't even start his freshman year. He's, and, it, and it was a defensive end in, in, in high school, right? Yeah. Which like, <laughs> They just blitz him, and you're like, ah, yes, this will work. And then he like it hits the like he hit he hit the Minnesota center with like a little inside swim, oh. just like crossed his face, a little step over, Bless and him. it was just like, okay, like why not? Yeah. We can let him do this, yeah. Take some it's notes, Derek. That he's uh he's more so a linebacker than Isaiah Simmons was, yeah. And he's also got the length, and he's got the explosiveness, the agility, and the long speed. So I don't think he'll test quite like Simmons. I also think he'll be 10, 15 pounds, 10, 10 pounds heavier than Simmons. So I don't think he's going to test quite like Simmons, but he's going to fit a more understood mold at the second level of defenses, which is going to be really good for his draft stock. Who do you think is the second biggest prospect to opt out? Because there's there's a few here. Uh, some would say it's Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Some would say it's Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore. And others might say it's Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley, uh, which which one is the biggest one out of those three? Hmm. Tough, right? I think, yeah, I think Farley is probably going to be the first off the board between those guys just because of the way the wide receiver class gets treated, right? It's like, you know, Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb all could have been top 10 picks, because they but they weren't because since they all could have been top 10 picks, teams were okay with waiting on it a little bit. Like the class was so good. Yeah. And this year's wide receiver class is going to be incredibly talented at the top and incredibly deep once again. Mm. Uh, so I think that Bateman and, and Moore are both round one players. I wouldn't put, uh, I wouldn't want to put a super early draft slot on either one of them. Yeah. Though I do think they're tremendous talents. Do you think um, Bateman is going to have the athletic profile to, to get teams sold on him in the first round, or is he so polished otherwise? Cause I, I think, I think the guy's clean. You were a huge Cortland Sutton fan, right? A gigantic full grown yeah, deer. So, love him. Right. So Cortland Sutton at the, at the combine six, three, two, 18 ran a four, five, four, a man, which was 37th percentile. Yeah. But everything else, height, weight, were both 85th percentile. Wingspan was 82nd percentile. And then his vert was 50th percentile. Broad was 74. His three cone was 96th percentile. Ran a 6.57. Short shuttle was 91st percentile. Which, like, okay, I don't think Bateman's going to put up those agilities. But if Bateman comes in 6'2", 215, and runs in the 4.5s, he'll be all right. Yeah. 
I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going to run fast, but I don't think he's going to run slow. You know what I mean? Um, Rondell Moore is going to pass like Tyreek Hill, and we're going to lose our minds. You, you're but, worried um, about his. You worried about his usage at all? Because I mean, the guy hasn't played much, right? So yeah, he had his freshman season at Purdue, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he was Mr. Kentucky football, and Louisville was like, should we offer this guy? Probably not. Which is my favorite story in the world. Um, <laughs> so he goes to Purdue with Jeff Brom, who was the coach at Western Kentucky until he went to. Purdue and was like, hey, do you want to come with me? And Rondell Moore was like, yeah. Uh, and Rondell Moore just murdered Big Ten corners. I mean, the kid was, he's so fast and he's unbelievably explosive and he's very dense. So he's got tremendous contact balance. Um, he needs a more of a downfield receiving profile than he's got. He's got good reps on like true nine balls as an outside receiver, but they didn't ask him to do it that much. And he obviously isn't, he's not a super tall dude or with a big wingspan. He's not great above the rim. Um, but like, you can't, look at what Debo Samuel and DJ Moore have done in recent years and not think to yourself, well, Rondo Moore can do all of this and probably more because he's better with the ball in his hands. He's truly a running back. So, I mean, like, he's probably going to get gadgety usage at first, but I think he's going to be fine long-term. Okay. But either way. Hold on. Farley, uh, uh, before we get to Farley, I, I have cut you off three times. To... I know. I, I'm, I'm trying to answer your first question. This is like the fifth question. Yeah. Well, if you would shut up for a second, we'll get to it quicker. Miles on it, on it, on it. Miles Sanders has responded to a fan. He has tweeted, I ain't think they would trip like that. Hey, Miles. Hey. Hey, yeah, Miles. Well, well, hey. Where the hey. F- do you think you are? What's it? What's calm, si- y'all. Lol. I'm ready for the season. Jesus. Miles. It is a time of national uncertainty, Miles. They've been one of the most banged up teams in the NFL. Are you going to tweet some nonsense like that? Think we wouldn't trip? Come on. But also, I'm very glad you're okay. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy you're okay, Miles. Yeah. Like, honestly. Excited to watch you this season. Yeah, love you, man. Just, like, don't. Again, didn't I say this is like a cryptic Stefan Diggs freak out tweet yeah. over nothing? Didn't I call it? Miles, you're going to be like that your whole career here? You better stop. Miles 100% took, like, three seconds in Warzone and was just like man I can't catch a break and then he was <laughs> right. just like raging in his room he was like oh shoot we have a National Football League player anyway I'm about to block Caleb him Farley yeah Caleb Farley Virginia Tech cornerback really good tell me about him yeah he's 6'2 210 <laughs> with ball skills that's pretty much all you need to know Boom. he's humongous he's fast and he can catch football and he's playing corner instead of of uh uh, wide receiver but yeah no he's got tremendous size I haven't sat down and fully done his eval yet but from what I've seen of him play, he's got excellent size, excellent physicality, comfortable in the press. Virginia Tech let him sit on an island to be successful. And he had wonderful ball production last year. So Farley, in a class where right now he had a really productive season last year, and obviously he's stepping into his first year of eligibility now as a junior. But the other corners who would be with him in this class are like Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, who's just coming into his first year as a full-time starter. Patrick Sertain, out of Al- Patrick Sertain the second out of Alabama who, mm. great freshman season, shaky sophomore mm. season, mm-hmm. and then Sean Wade, who I really like out of Ohio State, but he played slot last year because of Akuda and Arnett. So if nobody plays any more football, Farley had the best 2019 yes. yeah. for, for eval purposes as an outside corner. So he's got a chance to be the first corner off the board, which I think would make him the highest drafted guy. But Parsons, Jalen Twyman, the defense tackle out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Mar- uh, I don't think Marvin Wilson opted out yet. Um, Max Rousseau. Oh, Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau, the edge out of Miami. These are all first round players. I mean, I think that covers it. So, yeah. We, Everybody who opted out is 
you know, they understand what they're going to be in the league. For sure. So that's that's a lot of opt out. So you got to trust the film when it comes to uh, their their 2019 work. Of course, uh, this is a development with college football, everything like that. We'll be tracking it. Hopefully we do get some football. Hopefully everyone is safe and nothing terrible happens. That's the theme of 2020. Ben, uh, any final words for the gentle listeners before we get the uh, heck on out of here? Who's corner two? Oh, brother. How do you Nickel expect- Robbie Coleman is the nickel. How do you expect Darius me to slides outside? How do you expect me to answer It's the that? biggest question left. There is, that and, you know, rip Jatavis Brown hype 2020-2020. Oh, yeah, brother. Yep. <laughs> Jatavis Brown uh, going on the retired list. I'm assuming he's doing it because he, w- he wanted to opt out, but it was past the deadline. And yeah. that's his way out to the reserve retired list for Jatavis Brown, the linebacker the Eagles brought in. Cornerback, too, I have no clue. I think it'll be Avante, because if you want your... your yeah. He said, like, our nickel needs to know how to be a corner, and our corner needs to know how to be a safety, and Avante in his rookie season, that's all he did. Avante took the majority of his snaps in his rookie season at free safety. We forget this sometimes. Yeah. So, like, he and he played outside corner for a few games. So, mm-hmm. I think that Avante, Roby Coleman, and Darius Slay are your starting three corners, and, and nobody's going to be near line of scrimmage, except for maybe Slay. Um, it's yeah. going to be a lot of... A lot of sticky off-man coverage, baby. NRC is, is super tiny with, with tiny arms, but man. Maddox he... and NRC, <laughs> together, their wingspan is one person. Stacked on top of each other's shoulders. Make yeah. yourself a Cortland Sutton type to height person. But yeah, I, I'm comfortable with, with NRC. I think he's really good. I've been a fan of his for years. I think he's been one of the better slots uh, in the league. And he himself said that he was comfortable playing inside or outside. So apparently those conversations are taking place there at the Novacare in terms of that versatility and what they can do with Slay, which is great to hear. Can't wait to see Slay in this defense, man. I think he's going to surprise some people. Ben, let's get the heck out of here. Final words. Let him know. Hey, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak Show here on BGN Radio. Yeah. We do appreciate you swinging by. Football, maybe, hopefully, we'll see some <laughs> point soon. But whatever it is and whenever it happens, we will be here to cover it for you, prepare it for you, and break it down for you. So if you did enjoy the show or you do enjoy any of the shows on BGN Radio, make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a five-star review anywhere and everywhere that you listen to your podcast. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-D. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Do we know what the next show is going to be? We all we got. (laughs) We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't let this go. Miles, 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 Miles. Are you listening, Miles? Of course you are. Look, brother, we've been through a lot together. But if you pull something like that again, you will never work another day of your life in this town. Okay, you probably will, but let's ball out and stop playing with our emotions. Let's get it. P G N. <laughs>